I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I got the wrong date, right? That I, I pulled the wrong sermon out of the file. No, that's not it. There is a day I want you to mark on your calendar right now. That date is Sunday, June the 19th. Because sometimes, sometimes we make a bigger deal out of today than we do Father's Day. I don't have to tell you why. There's lots of reasons. Sometimes it's because maybe we grew up in households where the mom was more of the spiritual influence, more of the spiritual leader than our dad. And, and you know what? That doesn't mean that your dad didn't care about your spiritual relationship. He may not just been as loud about it. He may not have known how to communicate it as well as your mom did, but that doesn't mean he didn't love God. And if he's here today, I guarantee you he'd love for you to be here on Father's Day too, the same way that you're here for your mom today. So I want to encourage you to mark your calendar to plan on being here for Father's Day in the same way that you're here for Mother's Day today. And it'll be a great opportunity for us. I know it's the middle of summer and I know that people are traveling, but man, we've got an attendance goal because you see, I've talked with some of my fellow dads who feel very similar to myself. And there are those of us here, we decided to set this goal. We just want one more than Mother's Day. I don't know what the number is today. I'll find out after worship. But whatever it is, we just want one more, okay? That, that's all we're asking for. So if you'll make your plans now to be here for Father's Day and bring somebody with you so we can have one more, you would make a lot of dads really, really happy. I shared this idea with one of my preacher friends. And I want to tell you what he said to me. And I hope it fires you up as much as it did me. He said, Blake, I think that's a really neat idea. But you know, I also want world peace. And I don't think either one are going to happen. And I said, what? Oh, no, no. <laughs> so, consider it a challenge. For you, for me, invite anyone, invite everyone. Let's make our plans on being here June 19th. And I do understand there's already some talks in the work. Mamas, you get all your beautiful carnations I'm not going to spoil the prize, but I understand we're getting something that day too, dads, okay? So we can come in that day expecting to have something handed to us as well. Sunday, June 19th, pray about it, look forward to it, put it on your calendar, hope that you can be here with us then. But it is Mother's Day, and I'm thankful that it's Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a really, really big day. As we go through life, we have a lot of big days, don't we? I mean, everything from like first day of school to getting your license to graduation, so many big days. And if you're blessed, at every one of those big days, your mama's there, isn't she? She's there and she is cheering you on and she is encouraging you and she is making you take umpteen pictures you don't want to take, but she's going to make sure that those memories are, are kept Every big day, every big day that she can, Mama's there. And probably the biggest day in any person's life here on earth, aside from when they obey the gospel and are baptized, the biggest day is typically a person's wedding day. And Mama, Mama's typically there on the wedding day too. Couples who get married, they spend a lot of time planning weddings, don't they? Big day, exciting day. 
oftentimes months go into preparing for this big, big day. A lot of times when I do premarital counseling, one of the things that I, I really try to get across to couples is that there is going to be something on your wedding day goes wrong. That it doesn't matter how well you plan, how much you hope for, something is not going to go the way you want it to go, and that's okay. That's life, right? That the wedding day is a great event, but what you really should be focused on more than that is your, your marriage, right? <laughs> that that's really what the, the big picture is. And so when something does go wrong on your wedding day, big deal, big deal. Don't let it ruin the day. And typically it's, it's superficial things, you know, like the wrong song that we played at the wrong time. That happened at my wedding, by the way. I ended up walking out like two songs too early and just kept standing here and standing here with my uh, couple of my groomsmen and the preacher. <laughs> I didn't realize until after the wedding that I had walked out so early because I was just so nervous and so excited. Or, or maybe it's those very precious flower girls or those very precious little ring bearers who decide that, you know what, they really don't want the attention to be on the bride and groom. <laughs> they really want everybody watching them in that moment because they're so cute and so just adorable. Things happen, usually not too big a deal. My favorite story, not me by the way, <laughs> but I understand it is a true story of a, a preacher who was performing a wedding and about midway through toward the end, he noticed that his pants were unzipped and that they had been the whole time. And so he very casually thought to himself, okay, I can, I can handle this uh, during this prayer. When I say this next prayer, I'm going to zip my pants up and no one will ever be the wiser. And so he bowed his head and he began to pray and he felt a snag as he tried to zip up his pants. And so he, he opened his eyes as he kept praying and he realized he was so close to the bride, he had actually got a portion of her dress hung in his zipper. And so he continued to pray, and he continued to tug, and he continued to pray, and he continued to tug. And finally, after a very, very prolonged prayer, he finally pronounced them husband and wife, told them to kiss, put his arms around the two of them, and said, let's go, y'all. And all three of them walked back up the aisle. You see, a lot can happen on a wedding day. And it's a really, really good life lesson, by the way. I, I know there are probably some of you here, maybe you're planning your wedding. Marriage, man, <laughs> you don't know what could happen. We're in the book of John, and in the Gospel of John, you go over to John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, Jesus goes to a wedding with his mom where something very unexpected happened. It says on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. Which weddings were a really big deal. We think our weddings are big. Our weddings are really nothing. Our weddings, typically even a very elaborate wedding, it's several hours, right? You go, there's a, a ceremony, there's a reception. Several hours of your day is taken. A Jewish wedding oftentimes would last a week. Oftentimes it would begin, we might call it a rehearsal dinner like the night before, but for them it was like a week early and they called it a wedding feast. And it was before the actual wedding itself. And at this wedding feast, 
the father of the bride. He would march the bride-to-be and all of her wedding party throughout the streets of the city so that everyone could celebrate with them and everyone could wish them well. And then they would make their way eventually to the groom's house. And typically, it was there in front of the groom's door where the wedding ceremony itself would take place. Then, that's all just the beginning. They light torches. And now they take the husband and the wife, and once again, they march them back through the streets of the city to celebrate so everybody can wish them well. In our day and age, that's about the time the bride and groom split and go off on the honeymoon all by themselves. Oh, no, no, not there. There, the bride and groom spent a week in their new home having an open house where anyone and everyone could just come through and continue to celebrate with them and have a good time. Oftentimes they would wear really fine clothing during those moments, even crowns sometimes, just to to celebrate this wonderful, wonderful occasion. A pretty big deal. It was a very, very big deal. And the groom's parents were typically expected to make sure that all food and drink that was necessary for this week-long celebration was provided for. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Again, this would have been a big deal. This really would have been. This would have been embarrassing, quite honestly, in their culture. Because you're supposed to be a good host. And, and as a good host, you want to make sure that everyone that you've invited to the party, that there's plenty of everything, right? And, and so if it were that anything ran out, it could be humiliating. Like it could be the kind of thing that would really, well, it would really weigh on a new couple and maybe even their families. It could bring about a lot of trauma. Well, Mary obviously doesn't want to see this happen. So she says to her, eldest son she says to jesus who's about how old about 30 here (laughs) fix it he's about 30 any of you mamas have a son that's 30 or older that's that's pretty grown right but mama mama still can just say hey son I don't care if you're 30 or 40 or 50. <laughs> I'm your mama. I'm always going to be your mama. And I need you to fix it. There, there's a problem here, and I need you to do something about it. But what was it she expected him to do? When she says this to Jesus, by the way, notice she's not asking him to do something. It's a statement. She's saying they don't have any wine. And as she's saying it, as I read it, I can't help but hear a certain tone. A certain mama tone. (laughs) Because you see, some of you moms, probably all of you moms, you have a way about you to get our attention. You have a way about your eyes sometimes. You have a way about the inflection of your voice sometimes. Where we know what you're saying without you having to say it. (laughs) And I can't help but in my mind envision that that's what's happening here. That as Mary is speaking to her oldest son, she's speaking to Jesus and she says, 
They have no wine. This man. <clears throat> I mean, she might as well have said his middle name, right? I mean, she got his attention. But again, what was her expectation? I don't know. I don't know what her expectation really was. Because you see, as far as we know, we never see Jesus turning like, you know, water into Kool-Aid back at the house. As a matter of fact, as John is recording this gospel, he makes it clear over in verse 11. He says this, the what? The first of his signs. So this is the first supernatural, this is the first miraculous thing that Jesus has done. The first of his signs Jesus did in Cana and Galilee and manifested his glory. His disciples believed in him. Just real quickly here, there was a reason for all of his signs, for all of his miracles. And the reason was so that God could be glorified. The reason was to prove he was the Son of God. The reason was so people would believe. That was the reason. Like, it wasn't just a cool party trick, okay? So there was a reason behind all the miracles that you see recorded. And this, how cool is it? This is the very first one that we see. So what did Mary expect? Did she think that Jesus was going to run to the store, pick up some more wine, bring it back to the wedding? I don't know. I don't know what her expectations were. But what's clear, she has absolute faith that Jesus can get it done. That whatever needs to happen, Jesus can make it happen. Even though Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I have no doubt Mary was a very godly woman. I'm sure she was a great mom to Jesus. God the Father chose her as a very young lady to bear the Son of God, to give birth to the Son of God on this earth. That, that is something that blows my mind. So this woman, no doubt, was a very godly woman. But she's not the perfect one. She's not the sinless one. She had her weaknesses in the same way all mankind has weaknesses. Yes, she had been chosen by God to bring Jesus into this world, but she is mortal, just like you and I. She has sin issues, just like you and I. Here, here maybe she's pushing Jesus to fix a problem that she really didn't have any business trying to fix. But notice, Jesus doesn't, well, he questions her, but if you'll notice in the next verse, even though he doesn't say he'll do it, it's almost as though the expectation by her as mama is that he will. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Mamas are going to make mistakes from time to time. No mama on this earth is perfect. You're going to get angry when you're tired. Uh, you're going to yell at times when you know you shouldn't. You're going to make more mistakes. And, and you're going to do things at times. You're going to say, man, I, I want to be a better mama than this. I know I shouldn't have done it this way. I knew I shouldn't have handled it that way. And you're going to feel absolutely terrible. And that's going to happen over and over and over again. It does with all of us as parents. But I'm going to tell you something. You will never go wrong 
You will never go wrong trying to get the people around you to get your children, your grandchildren, whomever it may be, to get them to see the importance of doing whatever Jesus says to do. You can't go wrong with that, can you? There's a lot of worldly wisdom, a lot of parenting advice from the world that sometimes we take and we, we put it into action and we find that it's really not that great. I'm going to give you a really good parenting tip that will never fail. Point them to Jesus. Because while you will fail them and I will fail them as a father, Jesus will never fail them. Jesus will never let them down. Jesus will never lead them in the wrong way. I'm sure that Mary, being the the birth mother of Jesus, being able to raise Him with Joseph, I'm sure that was a great, great honor to her life. And even though, even though Jesus is God in the flesh, (laughs) He had lowered Himself from the heavens to take Take the form of man. He also knows the law. And he knows the law says to honor your father and mother. And Mary is his mother. And so Mary has made a request of him. And he's going to answer that request. He's going to turn water into wine. As a matter of fact, he's probably going to give her more wine than she could have ever anticipated. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 to 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. She's asked for wine. She's going to get somewhere between 120 to 180 gallons of wine. That's an awful lot of wine. Not only does Jesus give her a lot, as you're about to see, He gives her the very best. And he said to them, that is Jesus, he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn it, the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first. And when men have drunk freely, then that which is poor. You have kept the best wine until now. She wants wine. He gives her an abundance. Not only does He give her an abundance, He gives us the very best. And why? Well, nothing's too good for mama. Especially a mama of faith. Mama, when you you trust Jesus enough to tell your kids and your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, your cousins... (laughs) Again, anybody who may be willing to listen to you, when you trust Jesus enough to tell them whatever Jesus says, you do it. You are instilling in them a lesson that nothing else in this life can ever instill in them. You're instilling a true, obedient faith in Christ and in Christ alone. So that no matter what happens in this life, good or bad, whenever they learn to look to Jesus, whenever they learn to obey Jesus, whenever they grow up knowing whatever He says to do, however He says to live, that's what you do. 
Because He's the only way to salvation. He's the only way to eternal life. When they're distracted by the successes and the achievements of this world, and oftentimes, Mama, it's you that keeps them grounded, isn't it? It's you that keeps them from getting the big head. It's you that's helping them to say, yeah, this is nice, but there's a lot more to it than this. This is great, but you know what matters most because you've instilled in them from a very young age the need to always completely, totally depend upon and trust Jesus. Whatever He says, you do it. Those are some amazing words of advice from a very godly mother. A woman of faith. A woman of virtue. A woman who knew firsthand that Jesus was born of a virgin. A woman who knew that He had come to this earth because of the sin problem that all mankind, including herself, had. A woman who knew the importance of listening to following Jesus. Whatever He says to you, do it. The world is full of bad advice. (laughs) The world is a dark place. You want to travel in the light of this life? You do what Jesus says. If you want to live with hope in a world that at times seems so hopeless, you do what Jesus says. If you want to make sure that when you pillow your head and your time on this earth is no more, and you want a confidence, you want to know that you're going to spend all of eternity with those godly saints who have gone before you, You do what Jesus says. No other advice, no other instruction is going to get you there. There's only one way. And that way is through Christ and Christ alone. So when it comes to how you live your life each day, it's simple. It's laid out before you. A very godly mother gave us this instruction many, many years ago. Whatever He says to do, do it. Are we following that advice? Are we living our life in a way that's in accordance with the will of God? Are we living our life in a way that's in accordance with the will of Christ? Are we living a life of surrender? Where, where we're seeking to know what His will is so we can better live for Him. Or, or are we just here because it's Mother's Day? I can't answer that for you. Only you and God Himself know the answer to that. I would hope I would hope that if you're not walking 
and the way life everlasting that if you're not walking in the footsteps of Jesus I would hope that you would repent before that's everlasting too late because there is but one way to salvation and it's through Jesus maybe maybe you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ like I said at the very beginning a wedding is a huge day, monumental day, but there is no day bigger than the day someone obeys the gospel. And I know for so many of us in this room, we understand that. We would agree with that statement because we remember when we surrendered our life and we were baptized for the forgiveness of our sins and we began to live for Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. Do that today. Or maybe you did do that. But somewhere along the way, you just you quit living for Jesus the way that you know you should. You haven't lived that life of faith that you know He's called you to live. Make that right today. I know Mother's Day can be a, it's really a mixed bag of emotions, isn't it? Because for many, it's a, it's a great celebration. As a mom, you know, it's, it's neat that you get to be recognized by your children or grandchildren and you get to li- be lifted up by them. I'm sure it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. But then for others, others don't have that same joy. Others, others have lost their mom. And they're not able to call their mom today. They're not able to hug their mom today. And those of us who have experienced the grief of losing a, a mom, we know what that's like. And we know how hard that can be. Wherever you are today, whatever the emotions that you may be feeling may be, I want you to know whether it's great joy or sorrow, there is comfort in Jesus. Jesus sustains us through even the most heartbreaking losses of this life, if we'll let Him. But we have to let Him. So maybe there's something in your life that you would like for us as your church family to be praying with you, be praying for you about. Be honored to. We can help you with this or any need you might have. Won't you come while we stand and sing?